Reese's peanut butter cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So, no, that's a good thing. Uh, <laughs> that's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil. This episode is brought to you by AARP. 18 years from tonight, Grant Gill will become a comedy legend when he totally kills it at his improv class's graduation performance. Knees will be slapped. Hilarity will ensue. That's why he's already keeping himself in shape and razor sharp today with wellness tips and tools from AARP to help make sure his health lives as long as he does. Because the younger you are, the more you need AARP. Learn more at aarp.org slash healthy living. Brett McKay here, and welcome to another edition of the Art of Manliness podcast. So you've probably seen on TV or on the internet, the Highland Games. Probably didn't know they were called the Highland Games, but you've seen the events in the Highland Games. It's the guys who are wearing the kilts, they're throwing the giant telephone pole looking thing, they're throwing hammers over their head, they're throwing big burlap sags over their head with a pitchfork. Just a really interesting strength sport out there. It's one of those fringe strength sports along the lines of strongman or powerlifting. It's really fascinating. I've always wanted to get involved with it somehow, get in touch with my Scottish ancestry. Anyways, today on the podcast, I have a world champion Highland Games competitor. His name is Matt Vincent. And today on the podcast, we discuss the Highland Games, what's involved with them, how you can get started if you want to try throwing a caber while wearing a kilt, the type of training you need to do, strength training to get ready and prepared for Highland Games competition. And we also talk about his programming that he's created called The Hate. And we'll talk about why he calls it The Hate as well in a bit. Really fascinating podcast. So without further ado, Matt Vincent and Highland Games. All right, Matt Vincent, welcome to the show. Yeah, man, stoked to be here. Really, really been looking forward to this one. Right, I've been following you on Instagram. Uh, you have an entertaining Instagram feed, but also some of your work in the other uh, other places online. So you are a Highland Games competitor, so not a champion. And before we get into talking about what Highland Games are, because I think very few people are, they, they, they've probably seen it, but they don't know it's called Highland Games. Well, let's talk yeah, about, yeah, that's kind of pretty standard. Right, right. Well, let's talk about your athletic background first. How did you get to be a guy who throws around cabers uh, around the well, world? So, like anybody, you know, through high school and, you know, growing up, basically played everything I could. And uh, to some, I guess, extent of uh, being decent at a lot of things, but not very good at any of them. Um, so, you know, through high school, I ended up playing football and doing track and having some more success actually as a shot putter. And so that's what brought me to college on a uh, track and field scholarship to uh, LSU down here in Louisiana. And then post-college, um, I gave a run at owning a bicycle shop and uh, that didn't work so well. <laughs> and so after doing that, got into a normal job in the oil and gas industry and started getting back in the gym, and it seemed like the, the thing I wanted to do was a, was strength training still. So I did 
couple years of strongman and a couple years of powerlifting and uh, got a chance to go compete in a Highland Games. Uh, you know, as a thrower, like in college, you, you kind of always know about the Highland Games. You know it exists, and it's one of those things that's like, well, how do you ever do that? Kind of the same as Strongman is, but now with YouTube and the Internet, it's a hell of a lot more accessible. And so went and did a game and had a great time and then got a hold of some people and located some more games and traveled and did that for, I guess, about a year and a half as an amateur. And then uh, got invited because I won an amateur world championship to the professional world championship in 2011, and I took second place at that, and I've been doing it ever since. Fantastic. So, I mean, how did that first invite happen? It was just like, hey, you want to go do this? I mean, like, it's so it's, like, it's such a weird thing to like get into. I think. So, yeah. I mean, how did it come up? <laughs> Where someone's like, let's, you should do this. So, like any of the the fringe uh, strength sports, you know, strongman, powerlifting, there's there's competitions all over. I mean, there's a Highland game usually every weekend, and they have a they have an amateur class and they have a novice class. And novice class, I mean, basically just like anything else, you just sign up and go. And uh, I, you know, somebody who I was strength training with at the time said, you know, they have a Highland game coming up about an hour from here, and I was like, oh, no kidding, we should uh, we should look into going to do that. And uh, it was, we ordered kilts and went and had a good time. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So let's, let's talk about the specific of Highland Games because I think people are familiar with caber tossing. So can you give us like yeah, a, 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 a brief background of what the Highland Games are and like the specific events of them? Sure, sure. So we, we do, there's eight traditional events and in the States we do nine. Um, so you have two, two stones that you throw exactly like the shot put. One of them is a heavy stone and one of them is a light stone. And uh, the heavy stone is anywhere from about 22 to 28 pounds, and you throw it just standing, just like a shot put throw, but you know you don't uh, you don't get an approach, um, and it's just measured for distance. Uh, then we also throw uh, the lighter stone, which is 16 pounds, and it, it can go up to 18. I mean, they're stones, so they're not perfect. Um, and you get a full approach like that. So it's exactly the same rules as throwing the Olympic shot put. And then we throw two weights for distance. And these are a little different and don't look like anything else. So they're basically a steel block on the end of a chain with a ring. And you throw it with one arm. And uh, they weigh 28 pounds for the light one and uh, 56 pounds for the heavy. And you spin twice and throw it as far as you can. Uh, then we have another distance event where we throw the hammer which is a steel or lead ball on the end of a stick. And um, usually like a rattan handle or something like that. And it's 22 and 16 pounds again. And you kind of anchor yourself into the ground with some with boots that have a, like, a, like a blade on the front of it. So uh, when this thing is spinning around your head, it doesn't pick you up and throw you on the ground. Right. Um, we do the caper, of course. Is the one everyone knows that looks like the telephone pole. We also throw a 56-pound weight up over a bar for height with one hand. And then we um, the one that kind of rotates in and out is called the sheaf. And it is a 22-pound bag or a 20-pound bag we throw with a pitchfork <laughs> for height. All right. So, yeah. So, these, these, so, you talk about you wear kilts when you do this. So, these came from Scotland. Do you, do you have any idea like how the Scots invented this stuff? Like why did they come up with like, I'm going to throw a giant pole or I'm going to take a, 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 a big giant burlap bag and like hoist it over with a, a pitchfork. I mean, what's going on there? Do you have any idea about the history of Highland games? Yeah. So the history of the Highland games, the way it kind of really started was, you know, it was a test between the clans. I'm sure which developed just from 
you know, farmers basically coming up with, you know, being bored and not having nearly the distractions that we do now, uh, you know, I bet I can throw this rock further than you. <laughs> and so this continued to grow as men team, uh, tend to find challenges and things like that to do against each other. But they're similar either, you know, type of battle things like throwing rocks to defend yourself or, you know, the weights actually were um, – the old 56 and old 28, you know, these are all part stone weights, right? So a stone is 14 pounds, so two stones is 28, and then uh, like four stones is 56. Mm-hmm. And so these were used as counterbalances at the feed market. Okay. And so as things moved on, I'm sure someone took one and said, I think I can throw it further than you or higher. <laughs> but that's what the original ones were actually looked like, and uh, they were just counterbalances for the side, the other side of the scale. And then the caber, the caber has a lot of, I think it was used for this, <laughs> but it was, uh, you know, crossing a stream, uh, you would, you know, flip it so that it, it would land one end and then fall the other side directly across the stream and you could get across. I, I still don't see how that would be the most efficient way to do it. <laughs> well, it's one way to do but it. But it's, def- it's definitely one way to do it. Um, so that's, that's the gist of it. And then, you know, the hammer was, you know, was actually like a sledgehammer. And then I'm sure it developed into, I think I can do this better than you. <laughs> yeah. All right. So boredom probably was the, the impetus. Boredom and, you know, drunk guys, I'm sure, talking a little noise to each other, decided to put it to the test. Right. So is there an event that you specialize in particularly? I guess, I'm guessing the, the throwing ones. The, the, the yeah. Um, for me, I, I, I really like throwing the stones. That's probably been the event that I've been the best at over the last couple of years, as well as uh, the weights for distance. Those yeah. have been, those have been, I guess, my most consistently top ranking events. Right. Is there one in particular like that's like really hard to do? You're just like, man, that sucks. I I'm really know. bad at the hammers. You know, and look, it's relatively bad, right? I've been chasing the same guy in the uh, number one or number two spot in the world for the last couple of years. Is that McDaniel? And he, yeah, that's McKim. Yeah. yeah, yeah, Daniel McKim. Daniel, yeah. He's very good at the hammers. He's got world records in both of them, and so you know, I'll throw well and throw a PR and then lose by 15 feet. Hmm. So I've really spent a lot of time over the last couple of years trying to improve that event. And um, it's been a relatively futile attempt. Right. <laughs> I haven't got much better at it. But you got to keep, you got to keep striving. Not to. What are you going to do? Just quit? That doesn't, you, make, any that doesn't sense. make any sense. And I, I think like uh, the mountain from Game of Thrones does this sort of stuff as well. You've competed against him. Correct. Yeah, he um, he's done a little bit of stuff, right? So he's done the weight over bar, which is... Of all the ones with any, you know, like, uh, I guess if you're just going to be a brute and come out and give it a go, <laughs> that one's your best bet of being able to figure out. Not to mention that guy throws kegs for height. So right. he has a relativity of the move. Plus, people in Iceland seem to know how to move heavy stuff. <laughs> and so he's done a couple of those with us. And I think actually has the world record for standing weight over bar. Not technically as a Highland game athlete weight over bar. Right. But has thrown it higher than anyone else in history. Gotcha. So I'm curious, like how I've always been like, I've wanted like, I, this is something I want to do. Like, I'm like, I want to try that out. How does someone want to, like, if they want to get started with Highland games, how do they do it? Like, what's, what are your, what's your advice for someone who wants to start throwing cabers and hammers around? My, my actual advice is to find a local game next to you and go in and compete as a novice. The people that are going to be super friendly even if you've never touched any of it. Okay. The people that, that's what novice is for, right? 
you, you're you're brand new to this. And I always recommend that to people. I mean, if you're look, if you're moderately fit and you're working out and you're athletic, yeah, just go go give it a shot and see if it's any fun before you start investing a bunch of time and energy into you know accum- you know accumulating some implements and starting to think about training for it. Go see if you actually like it first or if you like the environment. And then from there, you'll actually meet some people and perhaps find a training group. It's re- it's really the easiest way to go about it. Uh, there are some training groups and uh, you know heavy events people or groups on Facebook that are pretty easy to find, just with a group search. I think, and uh, that gives a lot of direction too. Gotcha. So what is your? Uh, so you've written a lot of books. You've written some books on strength training. Um, you've got content online about strength training. I'm curious, what does your strength training program look when you are training? When you're also competing in Highland Games, like has it has it does it change any from like when you were like a college athlete, or is it pretty much the same? It's it's very very similar to when I was a collegiate athlete. Um, you know, and by what I mean by the same of that is I'm really not that concerned with, say, my gym PRs or maxes or my powerlifting total. Like, I'm a, I'm a performance athlete, and so since, you know, the amount of weight on the bar doesn't do me a lot of good in a contest because we're not lifting bars, I'm trying not to focus so much on it other than just using it as an indicator of progress in the gym. So I can't just get as absolutely strong as possible. I can do that, but I'm also going to gain a bunch of weight and lose some mobility and be slower. But I need to be quick and I need to be flexible and I need to be strong. And so I've, I've kept that focus and then I've taken some of the stuff I learned over the years of powerlifting and strongman that were really effective for getting stronger. And I added those to the program that I didn't do in college. Like we really didn't deadlift much in college. We did a lot of Olympic lifts, but deadlifting really wasn't. Uh, shoot, I probably, I don't think I honestly deadlifted till after college. And I think it's a very valuable lift. I think it, I think you'd be crazy not to have it in your program. Right. So, I mean, you said like you need quickness for the Highland games and what, what, I mean, it seems like it's what, what aspect does quickness or athleticism come into the, like throwing some, a sheaf over your, your head. So the Highland games is really all about application of force and power. And what I mean by that is, you know, accelerating mass. So you look at someone who, say, has a 700-pound you know, squat, and if that person's going to squat and kind of grind it out and take two seconds on the way up, right, like a big hydraulic, slow, strong lift, that doesn't translate very well to me throwing something that weighs 16 pounds. Okay. I need to be able to accelerate that object in a short amount of time as possible, so I need horsepower. And then I've also got to be able to be quick enough to use the momentum of me moving my body and spinning or rotating so that I can apply force for a longer time. Gotcha. Whereas like, you know, if you're going to throw a punch, you're not just going to have your shoulder square to the object you're looking at and then throw a six inch jab. You want to turn your, you know, turn your shoulders away from it and push the hips first and then really throw a haymaker. That makes so sense. You need that, that speed to apply that force instead of just, you know, uh, a uh, 600 pound bench press, right? Right. So, I mean, so how do you balance with your programming? Um, how do you balance athleticism with getting big and strong? Cause I'm sure getting big and strong helps in throwing more weight. Um, so, but there's, there's a fine line, right? You said like, you can just focus on getting big and strong. You're going to get fat. Um, but that could 
be a detriment. Or, yeah, or just bigger, right? Just bigger, and, right. And more mass a lot of times always, you know, can can lead to some impingement and movement and things like that that are gonna keep you from hitting positions that would be better. So how do you and so what I do okay. I, I keep um I, I, I keep conditioning in my program. I like being able to move. Um I also like uh doing box jumps and things like that where I'm gonna do some mobility. I'm gonna do some sprints, I'm gonna do some bounding. Uh, and make sure that I'm still moving my body. I think it's really important as an athlete that you knowing how to manipulate your own body weight is, is kind of key. You know how to how to adjust yourself in space and move quickly. And so I do speed work as well as the Olympic lifts to keep moving weight violently and fast. For those who embrace the impossible, the Defender 110 is up for the adventure. This iconic vehicle has been redefined with a thoroughly modern design. The exterior has been reimagined with compelling proportions and precise detailing, and the interior is built with robust materials and integrity. The Defender capability is legendary, whether you're facing off-road challenges or harsh weather conditions. Durability has been tested to the extreme, cargo capacity means more room for your gear, and there's been powerful innovations like the intuitive driver display and award-winning infotainment system that keeps you connected. Innovative camera technologies deliver unobstructed views and effortless maneuvering, and the Defender is ready for a wide range of adventures. The Defender family features two-door Defender 90, the Defender 110, and the Defender 130, which seats up to eight. Push what's possible with a vehicle made to go further, the Defender 110. Learn more at LandRoverUSA.com forward slash Defender. That's LandRoverUSA.com forward slash Defender. All right, so if you're like me, you've probably signed up for a whole bunch of stuff that has a recurring monthly fee. Subscriptions to newsletters, subscriptions to services that you use online, uh, could be a streaming service, something like that. You sign up for it and then you forget about it. And then every month you're getting charged and charged and charged and they just all add up and you have a hard time trying to figure out, where did I sign up for this? I don't know where this is coming from. Let me tell you, there's an app that can help you with that. It's called Rocket Money. Rocket Money is a personal finance app that finds and cancels your unwanted subscriptions, monitors your spending, and helps lower your bills so that you can grow your savings. Rocket Money has over 5 million users and has saved a total of $500 million in canceled subscriptions, saving members up to $740 a year when using all of the app's features. I had a chance to use Rocket Money and it works. You connect your account to it and then it goes through your accounts and helps you find those recurring subscription fees that maybe you forgot about and then you can cancel them and save yourself a bit of money each month. Stop wasting money on things you don't use. Cancel your unwanted subscriptions by going to rocketmoney.com manliness. That's rocketmoney.com slash manliness, rocketmoney.com slash manliness. If you're like my family, we're getting to the busy part of the year. Spring sports are happening, a lot of after-school activities. So sometimes planning and cooking dinner, just don't have time for that. That's where Factor Meals comes in. With Factor, you get fresh, never-frozen meals that are chef-crafted, dietitian-approved, and ready to go in just two minutes. With Factor, you get restaurant-quality meals that are ready to heat and eat whenever you are. No prepping, no cooking, no cleanup needed. It's also less expensive than takeout, and every meal is dietitian-approved to be nutritious and delicious. So we've been using Factor meals in the K household for a while now. There's a lot of reasons why we like them. First off, the food tastes great. Last week, I had creamy pesto pork chop with spinach, cauliflower, rice, roasted green beans. Tasted fantastic. But the big selling point, it's easy. There's no cooking. There's no cleaning up. It's great for those nights when you're busy and you don't have much time. Uh, to, to take care of dinner and you don't want to do takeout because you feel gross after takeout. If you'd like to try Factor Meals, head to factormeals.com slash manliness50 and use code manliness50 to get 50% off. 
That's code manliness50 at factormeals.com slash manliness50 to get 50% off. Check it out today and make sure to check out the creamy pesto pork chop. It's really good. Picture that thing you've always wanted to learn. All right, you got that in your head? Now picture learning it from the person who's literally the best at it in the world. That's what you get with Masterclass. This year, learn from the best to become your best with Masterclass. Masterclass offers over 180 world-class instructors, and many of these instructors are former AOM podcast guests. You can learn negotiation from Chris Voss, leadership skills from Jocko Willink, how to master your habits with James Clear. Plus, every new membership comes with a 30-day money-back guarantee, so there's no risk. So recently, I went through the Masterclass on negotiation with Chris Voss. A lot of useful information in there. Talked about the value of knowing a negotiation, how to use your body language and speech patterns to get your best out of a negotiation. Very well done. I really enjoyed it and got a lot out of it. Right now, listeners of our podcast can get an additional 15% off an annual membership at masterclass.com slash AOM. Get 15% off right now at masterclass.com slash AOM. Masterclass.com slash AOM. Check out the masterclass on negotiation with Chris Voss. In one of your books, you, you talk about your, your programming. It's a five-week program that can be used by you know any athlete, really. And yeah. it's called um, the hate. The hate. But it's you, you spell yeah. it a, you spell it H with Roman numeral eight. And I'll be honest, like yes. I finally figured this out not too long ago. For <laughs> the longest time, I was because you have a brand, right? It's called the right, hate. Yeah, as right. I always thought it was like heavy. I was like, I was like, oh, he's like spelling heavy different. Like with the then I was like, oh no, hate. Okay, that makes sense. <laughs> so this started my brother and I actually kind of talking about it. It was always something we looked at athletes, right? And athletes that had that different drive. Than, than your normal people, those guys that were willing to get up and do the work and push themselves harder. And I mean, look, man, if I if I was really happy, I would just lay on the couch and play video games. Right. Just be content, and that would be great. But for some reason, my brain just isn't going to allow it. So I'm going to get up and do what I can to make myself better, go train by myself in the garage or you know, get up when it's cold and, and do those necessary things. They're not always the most fun, but it's you know for the greater good. And so my program, The Hate, was really basically is a condensed version of my program, the long program, uh, with Strength Lab or Training Lab, that here's five weeks, quick rotation, and just allows you to, you don't want to think about a whole lot or reprogram every five weeks. It, it was my answer to my version of 531, basically. Okay. And... You know, this is going to build strength and power. You're still going to get the Olympic lifts. You're still going to do some speed work, and you're still going to work on max strength. So, how does it differ from, like, say, five three one? Five three one doesn't focus on any Olympic lifts, and with a three day program, uh, my hate day three is Olympic lifting. You're going to snatch and clean. Gotcha. And it seems like uh, your your approach is also like sub maximal loading. Yes, which is very five three one. Right. That's, you know, that's one of Jim's big principles. Jim's been a, a huge influence and been a, and a really good friend for the last five or six years. And, you know, I, I had a weird spot right in the program because I knew there were a lot of similarities to it. And at the end of the day, I mean, if it ain't broke. I'm not going to rewrite it just so that I can say this is original. Right, right. So can, for our and listeners this, who aren't familiar with it, like what is submaximal loading? And like what's the benefit of sub- doing it? For me, and what I believe submaximal training is, right, is you're going to use less weight and do more reps, and not quite like a bodybuilding style. I'm not talking about doing sets of 15 or 20 to really get the pump. You know, I'm doing stuff at, you know, 75, 85, and 95% weight. 
I'm very, very rarely, if ever, going to take anything to a max single. I really saved that for the platform. I may as well, if I'm going to risk getting hurt with a maximal weight, I may as well do it and earn, you know, do it on the platform while I'm competing. So it takes a lot of ego out of training, especially me training alone in my garage. I'm not missing any lifts in training. And not missing lifts for me is the accumulation of work that's going to make you stronger. I feel like singles and heavy singles are more of a test than they are an actual strength building exercise. And so the sub-maximal aspect of that is what I do to build my program is I take, you know, my, uh, my true max and then I multiply that by 90% and I treat that as my training max. And then I build all of my program off of that number. And what that allows me to do is, like I said, never miss a rep during training because, man, life gets in the way. I'm, you know, I'm not 19 years old or 20 and I'm not in college to where I'm just uh, – you know, eating and sleeping and going to track practice. I've got other things and responsibilities in my life and not every day is great. And so what this does is just allows me to kind of auto-regulate a little bit more and say, I can get the work done. And if things feel great on the last set, I can push a rep max. But the key is that accumulation of work with the lighter weight instead of, you know, putting something on the bar and saying, oh shit, you know, I, I think I can go for a PR and add, you know, add 15 pounds and risk, you know, the injury, which, you know, a max, a max weight is going to be a higher risk of injury for an athlete than, than a lower weight. Right. Mm-hmm. And so doing that is going to allow you to, you know, be a little bit smarter in training and think which one actually makes more progress. Should I go for that PR so that I can be excited that I put more weight on the bar or do I hit what I was able to hit for three now for five? Right, right. Um, so who's the uh, the hate for? Is it like for anyone? Like like even if someone doesn't compete? For myself. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, um, the hate, you know, it's, it's kind of a personal mantra, right? So it's a little bit of uh, self-motivation through self-loathing. And it's just not listening to your own uh, – your own brain trying to get in your own way of, you know, I'm tired or, you know, I, I – you know, I, I need to rest or I deserve this or this and that. And, and the truth is you don't, you know, what you should do is work and do your job every day. And if that thing you care about is training, get in and do the work. And some days aren't going to be great. And some days are, but you've got to do all of it to make the good days good. Right. Right. And so, I mean, this program for me is any athlete looking to perform better. Okay. You know, you, if you're doing a bodybuilding routine, this probably isn't for you. All right. So if you're concerned about six pack abs and being, chiseled no clue what that's about what that's like <laughs> <laughs> anyway all that happens in the kitchen anyway it has nothing to do with your gym time right exactly that it's that's something i've learned uh i think it, it takes, takes a long time for you to like finally learn that it's like okay just diet oh, well yeah i wish that i could just say like man if i just get on the treadmill a little bit more right. do these exercises i get these abs i mean it, it's amazing to me that the logic of you know if i want my biceps bigger right i can do you know say curls and do a bunch of sets of curls. Say do a couple, you know, do a hundred reps a day of curls of some sort and my biceps will get bigger. However, people believe that if they want their stomachs to shrink, they should do the exact same thing with their abs. Muscles right. don't react that way. <laughs> <laughs> they, they grow. <laughs> right. 
And so, I mean, what, I mean, that's kind of like, that's an interesting question with your, uh, the, the competition that you do, what, how does your diet look? So I'm sure it's not looking like a bodybuilder's diet. I'm sure you're eating for no, performance. I mean, correct. And, you know, and it's look, vanity plays itself into my head plenty and I don't want to be totally gross, but at the same time, I know that I compete my best when I'm between 270 and 280 pounds. And so whatever I can do to stay in that, once I get below that, I really start feeling weak and I, I, you know, your leverages all change on the events, you know, how far I have to lean or how hard I have to sprint, stuff like that. So in that window is really where I perform my best. And so I keep my diet to keep me in that range. I just keep trying to lose fat, but stay there. Gotcha. And what I've found that works, you know, the best for me and, you know, not just works the best for me, but, you know, it's conducive to the life I live. Right. Where I do travel quite a bit and I like enjoying myself, man. I mean, abs are cool and all, but I wouldn't skip some delicious dinners with my wife to have abs. <laughs> you know, so I follow a real like more keto approach, which is, uh, you know, high fat, high protein and very limited carbs. I pretty much will just save my carbs for bourbon right. whenever the time's right. <laughs> there you go. Um, I have a question about the, the mental aspect of your sport and your training. Uh, it's like, how do you deal with that? I mean, what is there, I mean, how do you overcome plateaus? How do you deal with setbacks? I mean, what is your mental game like? So mine's, mine's a little different. Um, I mean, injuries are going to happen, right? I mean, that just kind of comes with the territory and and look, father time's undefeated. No one's going to make it out of this thing all the way without scars. If you did, you probably lived a really boring life. And I mean, injury is going to happen and setbacks happen. It's, you know, you just keep trying to figure out whether, you know, you take one step back to make some steps forward or you take a sidestep. You know, if my knees bothering me, maybe I box squat for the next two weeks, you know, a little high. I mean, I don't have anybody in my gym telling, you know, giving me white lights and I don't have the ego anymore to say like, well, I've got to bury all these squats. What I want to do is perform better and I perform my best when I'm not hurt. Right. I can still fatigue my legs and still get plenty of work in without having to, you know, squat all the way to the bottom. Gotcha. And what, you know, what, completely below parallel. Right. And like, what keeps you going, right? Like, so you're saying you're, you're chasing Daniel, right? In the, the competition, sure. like, what keeps you, like, is it like trying to beat yourself or do you like, you really want to beat him one day? I mean, what, how do you deal with that aspect? It, it's trying to be the best I can be. That's really my concern. It's just, it's self-optimization. It's just, I want to be, I want to give it the most I've got while my body is still willing to give it a go. I don't ever want to look back and question of like, maybe I should have done this or what if I'd have trained harder or what if I would have done this? I, I, I know I'm, I'm doing everything I can to give it a go and the cards are going to fall where they fall. I mean, Dan and I are different athletes and I, I beat him some and he's beat me some. Right. And none of those things, how far he throws is completely has nothing to do with how far I throw. I mean, that's, that's his goals and his things. Now, some days the cards are, I'm going to throw really well and the cards fall in my favor, but I've also had days where I've thrown very, very well and been proud of it and just didn't have enough to beat it. And yeah, I'm not interested in him doing poorly so that I succeed. Right. Right. Yeah. It seems like there's a lot of camaraderie in that, that sport in the Highland games. Of course. And that's, man, that's all of the fringe strength sports I've found. Um, you know, your strongman powerlifting, and especially toward the top end, right? 
your your professional classes in those those sports have it a lot more. There's, I guess, we've all been of, been part of sports at this point um, that we understand that no one really cares. Yeah, <laughs> and that eliminates a lot of the ego. Like I'm not going to be famous. I'm not going to. Yeah, you know, I, I don't need to go have a discussion with you know Reese Hoffa, for example, you know Olympic shot putter about how we're both world champions. Right. He, he is. Yeah. <laughs> I do this other thing. I'm very good at it, and I love the Highland Games. But keep in perspective what we're doing. I throw rocks in a field, <laughs> and so that that helps me keep that. And the camaraderie is great because there's probably only twenty of us that are at the top end in the world. And so every time I go to a contest, you know, 17 or 18 times a year, it's some 12 of us out of that 20 guys. And so you see the same guys every weekend. And I think, you know, it's not, we're not really head to head. So everyone's just trying to go out and do their best and, and enjoy the fact that, I mean, we get paid to travel and there's prize money and, and all this for this sport that not that many people know about. It's, it's fantastic. I've, I've loved every minute that I've spent doing Highland Games. So you mentioned, you know, time, time is, is fleeting for you. I mean, are you in your 30s, I'm guessing? Yeah, I'm 30, 32, be 33 in April. Yes, all right. That'll be quick. Yeah, yeah, we're the same age then. Um, so, I mean, how, how much longer do you think you'll be doing this? And what do you plan on doing after you have to hang up your, your caber tossing Shoes after hang up the kilt, huh? Right, hang uh, up the kilt. You know, I I don't know. Um, I think when I'm done doing this, that strength will become less of a uh, focus for me. And I, I mean, look, I'm 280 pounds. I'm not interested in being a 280 pound 45 year old. <laughs> that's that's a really bad idea. Much less, it's a much worse idea to be a 280 pound 50 year old. They tend to die. Right. So I'll probably work on losing weight and doing some body composition stuff and I'll find something else I'm into, whether I get into some CrossFit or I get more into cycling like I have been. I mean, I'm definitely not an endurance athlete, but I like spending time on the bike. And so I'll find something else to do to uh, you know, care more about diet and try to figure out that when I don't have to worry about being strong. Right. Do you think you'd be con- like stay connected to the sport in some way, like as a coach or a mentor? I mean, what do you think? <laughs> I, you know, I don't know. That's never been the goal. But, I mean, as long as I can still be valuable and, and help people out, I, I, I've really enjoyed the online coaching and stuff I've done, the little bit that I've done of it. And I, I, as far as how long do I, I see myself doing this, I mean, I've seen guys be competitive on the world scale in, you know, almost 40. I'm going to stop when it's not fun anymore. And right now it's still a lot of fun. I still, I, my body hurts. My body's going to, I think, quit before I'm willing to quit. And that's just from, I've just abused my body for the last two decades and not been that nice to it. It's only probably been the last three years I've understood recovery and properly doing things like that, you know. Um, but when it's no longer fun, whenever I'm not willing to do what it takes to train for it, I mean, I, I'm not going to be a guy that just phones it in. I uh, just, I, I can't see myself becoming a guy that's finishing 10th in the world right. and still, still grinding at that. I'll probably very happily hang up my shoes and be ready to watch whoever's next. 
Gotcha. So Matt, this has been a, a great conversation and a lot of insights about a sport that I knew little about. Um, where can people find, find out more about you and your work out there? Um, best place to find me would be um, mattvincent.net or uh, thehate.com. And that's spelled with the H-V-I-I-I. Uh, YouTube, I've got a lot of information going up and that channel is Matthew Vincent. Um, those are really your best places. Uh, Instagram is I hate Matt Vincent spelled the same way as before. And I try to, I try to vlog and document and kind of do everything I'm doing. You know, I've been very fortunate to be part of a sport that allows me to travel around the world and do some pretty awesome stuff and try to share as much of that. And that the connections I've made over the last couple of years in strength training to some other really awesome people. Awesome. Well, Matt Vincent, thanks so much for your time. It's been a pleasure. Yeah, it's great, man. Had a great time. My guest today was Matt Vincent. He is a Highland Games champion and competitor, and you can find more information about his work at mattvincent.net. Just search for him on Instagram. He's got a really entertaining Instagram feed, as well as find him on YouTube. Well, that wraps up another edition to the Art of Manliness podcast. For more manly tips and advice, make sure to check out the Art of Manliness website at theartofmanliness.com. And if you enjoy this podcast, I'd really appreciate it if you give us a review on iTunes or Stitcher. It'd really help us out in our rankings there. And as always, I appreciate your support. And until next time, this is Brett McKay telling you to stay manly. Stay manly.